You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am super excited today. I have a fellow Aussie on the end of the line. He goes by the name of Brian Smith, and he is a founder of a boot that either you have tried on before or you own a pair. He's a founder of UGG Australia Boots, and he sold his company back in 1995, which is now amassing billions and billions of dollars so i'm really excited to uh you know interview brian smith today and really find out how he did it and also what advice he has out there for entrepreneurs so brian smith welcome to addicted to success hey thank you joe it's a pleasure to be here beautiful and uh you're out there in california at the moment are you that's correct i've been here a long time ever since i started importing boots from australia i Decided to stay, yeah. Oh, I love it, man. I love it. So can you give us a little bit of a background on, you know, how you came to where you are today? Well, that's, uh, that's do your listeners have, five, you know, five days? <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick I'll, rundown, I'll break yeah. It, I'll break it down into little bits. You know, how did I, how did I come to get the idea, uh, number one, I, uh, I was an accountant in Australia and really didn't like it. And so I ended up figuring out that all the trends were coming out of California, you know, Levi jeans and waterbeds and all the surf brands. So I decided to go to California and find the next big thing. And it wasn't long after I was in you know, Santa Monica that I realized, oh, my God, there's no sheepskin boots in America. And as you probably know, that you know, one in two Australians had some sort of sheepskin footwear. So I imported six pairs and uh, and registered the brand UGG and uh, thought I would be an instant millionaire. But <laughs> I two things: one, I didn't know that Australia, the Americans don't get sheepskin like Australians know. It's rugged and you know. Uh, you know, wicks, wicks moisture and it doesn't, you can't sweat in it because it breathes. And, and Americans thought, oh, it's prickly and it's too delicate. You can't wear it outdoors, can't wear it in the rain. So that uh, prevented me from, from doing much. And the other thing was that the shoe stores just didn't really see this sheepskin boot as a viable category in, in footwear. So the, the lesson from that for, for your listeners who, who, who are probably contemplating starting out on their own business or they've just started the, the 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 thing i learned is that to be an entrepreneur there's a certain amount of ignorance or or innocence that you have to have to go into new ventures because if you knew all the obstacles ahead you never start you know had I, had i known all of these obstacles about sheepskin in america i think i might have just quit before i even got going so that was a really good lesson to learn yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And you know, it's it's funny actually. I've heard there's a lot of like similar stories in the way of, you know, people traveling to another country and then finding some form of inspiration 
to start up a business. I know um Howard Schultz, the uh, founder of Starbucks. Yeah. You know, he traveled to to Italy or Europe, you know, and he he found that back in America they weren't doing uh, cafes the way that they were in Europe. So he decided yep. to bring it back to uh, America. And I love that uh, you know you found your inspiration out there, and you yep. just you know bit the bullet and decided to to give it a punt. And yep. I think that's the biggest thing is like making that decision that in that moment going, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. So yeah. how do you, um, how do you kind of go from, all right, this is a great idea and then follow through with it? Like what was that next step that you had to take as a, you know, as an up and coming entrepreneur? Well, I started, uh, because the shoe stores didn't get it, um, all my friends who were surfers, uh, they, they knew about sheepskin boots and a brand arg you know and and it was because all of the california surfers who had gone to australia surfing brought four or five pairs back for their buddies so i started to focus uh on one market which was surf shops and bit by bit you know even though my first year's sales was 28 pairs which was like <laughs> pathetic I, I had i had bought 500 because when i went on the road first to all the surf shops they go, oh man, Uggs, you got you got to make a killing, <laughs> and and uh, so me and a buddy, you know, raised twenty grand and we bought five hundred pairs, and then when we went back to these same surf shops, we got well, well, yeah, you got to make a killing, but you know, we couldn't sell them out of our store. We just sell surfboards and shorts and thongs, you know, and and it was like, oh my god. So the first year's sales was twenty eight pairs, and you know that was when number one time I should have given up. But I had all this inventory, and I had you know twenty thousand bucks worth of investors' money tied up in the in all these boots, so I had to sort of gut it out. And bit by bit, you know, we I, I was going to swap meets, and and the surf shops, you know, year after year were sort of getting stronger and stronger. But the sales always seemed to be about thirty thousand dollars for three years, you know. And I was doing all these really good ads of these models on the rocks at Wind and Sea Beach in California, and and I was in, I, I felt like a failure because I wasn't getting into the malls. And it wasn't until I was back in Chicago at Montgomery Ward's office the, the, and I gave my best sales pitch ever and the buyer just looked at me and said, hey, hey Brian, why are you here? And I was sort of dumbfounded. I said, because I want to get an order for the California stores. And he said, Brian, don't you get it? We're the elephants. We don't move till the mice are running around under our feet. And I instantly got what he meant. And that's a huge lesson for all you entrepreneurs starting out. You've got to get some momentum before these big guys will take you seriously. And so I got back to California and, and, and I was sort of having a, a beer with one of my surf shop clients, you know, the, the retailers. And I was explaining this problem and he just called to the back room to all these little grommets, hey, you guys, what do you think of Uggs? And they just came out of the back room saying, oh, those Uggs, they're so fake, man. Have you seen those ads? Those models, they can't surf. And instantly I got it again uh, that I was sending the wrong message to my target market, which was young surfers. So pretty quickly I, I sponsored a couple of young kids that had just gone pro on the surf tours and started doing photographs and advertising them and the sales jumped like in the very next the very first season I started running that new image jumped to four hundred thousand dollars so 
it just showed me how many how I just killed three years giving the wrong message to my target market. And the lesson I learned from that was, you know, try and figure out what it is that they want first before you make your advertisements because if you're giving the wrong message, they're not going to respond. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great uh, gem of advice there for a lot of people. I think, um, you know, even getting into stores nowadays is like such a struggle and it's it's oversaturated at this point. I know a lot of people that are trying to get into stores and they're moving, you know, online. Yes. So what would your advice be for uh, entrepreneurs that are at that point where, you know, they have a great product, um, they have, a you know, the audience, they have people purchasing i mean what what can they do to really take it to that next level um it it comes back to getting the mice running around you know and that is uh, any way that that you can get sales and and the internet which is available wasn't available when i was trying to start out but the internet now can really get a following uh, if if the product is good and the and the image that you send out to people is correct you can start to get a big following and once the following starts and your sales are proven, then the buyers in the big department stores or you know, whatever retail outlet you're going for, they, the buyers have one thing and that is how do I keep job security and that means I don't want to buy something into my store that's going to fail because uh, I don't want to get fired. So they will only go with the statistics of, of uh, how good the product is selling elsewhere. So I know it's not what everyone wants to hear, but you've just got to keep working at getting the momentum going. And bit by bit, as as the momentum does start, you'll get into bigger and bigger venues. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you, you got to keep hustling, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's the only way. Yeah, beautiful. So what are some character qualities that you had to draw on um, that you feel really helped you know, you experienced the level of success that you had? Well, there, there were like four distinct times that I write about in my new book uh, where I tried to give up or I, I actually was forced to give up. Um, and by hanging in there, circumstances just changed. And time is a weird thing. It just you know, no matter how desperate things are at times, you, you, if you hang in there, the, the situation will always be fluid enough to change. And I had four little um, four little pieces of philosophy that I, I carry in the front of my daily planner. And the first one is feast upon uncertainty. In other words, I a lot of people are afraid of the unknown. I love it because it means other people haven't been there and if I can be the first into the unknown and figure something out, I'll have a bit of an edge on everybody. The next one is to fatten upon disappointment and we're all going to have things happen that aren't part of the plan and it could be, you know, your partner decides to quit and to, you know, or even worse, decides to go start his own business and takes half your product, you know, product and clients. Um, the these things can be devastating if you let them, but if you just um, hang on on the disappointment, like 
the the greatest quote I've ever heard is, is that most times your most disappointing disappointments become your greatest blessings. And I can't think of any time now, you know, when I look back on my 35 years in business that uh, I think of disaster to happen and, and I go, you know, thank God that happened because look, look where it took me. Look where I am now. Um, another one that I've got in my daily planner is enthuse over apparent defeat, which is, you know, sometimes you'll get competitor will come along and you think, oh, my God, they're going to take over the business. But if you get, instead of being negative and, and, and falling backwards, uh, defeat is, is not a real word until you give up. Then it becomes real. In the, in, once you're still trying, the defeat doesn't exist. And, and if you can get enthusiastic over it, and you, you'll always figure out a way around to beat your competitors off. And the last one I have is invigorate in the presence of difficulties. So all these four things, what they do is they give you control of your mind. And when, like, because we're always going to be at the at the whim of of the environment and other people and circumstances, we cannot control that, but we can control the way we react to it. So, all these four things: feast upon uncertainty, fatten upon disappointment, enthuse over apparent defeat, and invigorate in the presence of difficulties. Every one of those takes charge of how you react to what's happening and I you know in my book I, I, I give four at least times where I was able to save the business purely by exercising these things wow Brian you're getting very uh, philosophical there with us <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> you should you should be delivering Harvard speeches <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be next, next, next Saturday and Sunday. I'm on stage, so that'll be fun. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, no, great advice, great advice. And you know, that's what the addicted to success community actually lives by. Um, I love that you mentioned before that you were, you know, you you thrive off that uncertainty. Um, yep. I think that's really a, a key thing because that is the unknown. You know, that's outside of the comfort zone, and that's really what. You know, it takes you to that level of magic when you are when you it's get exactly, outside yeah. of the comfort zone. It's exactly what it does. It, it's and and it's it's rare air out there because so few people uh, embrace uncertainty and 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 look for the magic. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You got it. So I want to get into your mind, right? I want to I want to really understand what you were feeling and and what pulled you to the decision to actually sell UGG because um, I've actually been offered millions for addicted to success in the past and I've actually turned it down. So right. for me, it's like, you know, this is my baby. This is my passion. Um, I, I feel like it has a lot more potential. I mean, what, what did you feel like when it, when it came to crunch time when you were offered an amount for UGG? I mean, what what, uh, what was going on in your head at that time? Well, it's a really cool story. Um, it wasn't like anybody walked up and offered it to me. Um, when it was small, you know, it was you know, hundred thousand dollars in sales and two hundred thousand and four hundred thousand. It was easy to get credit from the manufacturers, and so we had a very horrible cash flow because we sold for three months. And then I was basically doing odd jobs for the next nine, you know. And then as it got bigger, you know, four million, six, eight million, you know, we were almost doubling every year it, after a while. And 
then it was like, well, Brian, where's your, you know, where's your security? Where's the letters of credit? Where's the, you know, we're not going to just ship you four million bucks worth of product with no no security. And so, getting investment money became more and more difficult. And the banks, God bless them, even after ten years of going, oh, this is a fad. They won't be around next year. You know, and two years later, well, yeah, you might have been lucky, but it's still a fad. They won't be around next year. And so. My problem was always raising money for, for production and getting the cash flow started. Now, ironically, when I started out, remember I told you I was selling at swap meets and out of the back of the van at Malibu, you yep. know, after, after surfing? Yep. Well, there was another guy who had these triple-decker sandals um, or, you know, thongs like, like flip-flops and and they were pink and yellow and pink neoprene about two and a half, three inches high. And he, <laughs> called, he called them triple deckers. And that company became called Deckers. And, and Doug and I had stayed friends. We used to see each other on the road all the time for like, you know, we ran the business 17 years before I sold. And uh, it was when we had orders of, of pretty much – close to 15 million on the books and I'd outgrown my previous investor. I had no way to finance the next season and uh, Doug in the, in the meantime had taken on a sandal called Teva and took his company public on the Teva sandal and I knew he had millions of bucks in cash reserves and uh, his business used to die every every uh, winter and our business used to die every summer and here I was with about 15 million bucks in orders I know it's going to be a 20 million dollar season and no way to finance it and I was going to a trade show in Atlanta uh, for the super show and I was at the baggage claim at Atlanta airport and way down the other end was was Doug and I just got goosebumps because you know that that's that's to me my sign that my spirit's saying, "Hey, this is the this is a great decision." I just got these goosebumps, and I walked down and saw Doug, and we, we high fived each other. And I said, "Doug, you know, if ever ever we're going to do it, now is the time." And we had the uh, accountants talking to each other that afternoon. So it was it was not like he came up and offered me money for it, even though he had in the past talked about getting together. Um, it was more um, a necessity on my part. And the other, the other big factor is the reason I chose not to stick with it uh, and just did a cash buyout is that my passion and my heart is in starting companies. I really don't enjoy being in committees and having to have group approvals and having to fly ideas up the flagpole before you get a, you know, I, you know, that's too slow and too cumbersome for me. I love the entrepreneurial, freewheeling, gambling, you know, thrill of starting new businesses. And, and so it, it just, it, you know, I just didn't see myself as a good fit inside a public company. So that was the main reason, you know, I, I sold the way I did. Yeah. No, great. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's great. So, what uh, what mistakes do you feel that you've learnt uh, or that you've you've made along the way that you've actually drawn great lessons from? Um, wow, that's interesting. Um, 
if it, on a micro scale, I made so many blunders, you know, um, uh, that that a normal person who's been to you know Harvard or a, you know come out of a good business college would not have made. But I had no roadmap. I was just winging it, you know. I was an ex-accountant and uh, didn't really uh, know. But the product was so good that it saw me through all of those minor minor things. But I think the the biggest mistake was um, when I did start to get some momentum, around about three or four million dollars, maybe even two million dollars. I really should have uh, brought in a better management team to help me manage because you know how I was just saying that I don't like running companies. Yes, it, it's because I I don't really like the detail of it, and I got it up to like eight ten million dollars still operating as an entrepreneur. That was a big mistake. I should have brought in um, good management before then who could do the business plans, do the cash forecast, be able to talk to bankers because I could, I sure couldn't um, and uh, just made it more of a solid uh, operation with great forecasting where I could have foreseen the, the financing issues uh, one or two years ahead of the time instead of always being caught you know, in the middle of the season with record sales and no financing. Yeah, yeah. So do you feel that you could take you could have taken it a lot further if you had like an operations team? Yeah, right if I could have if I could have just secured the financing to kick off every season, it was it was extremely profitable for 3 or 4 months and then it just, you know, became uh, a bit of a drain after that. And and I I, I really wish I if I had I had a team that could have sort of like expanded and contracted in a rhythm that was commensurate with the marketplace, that would have been a great bonus for me. But I, as an entrepreneur, I really didn't, didn't see that until it was too late. Yeah. 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 That's usually the case, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, actually, uh, you know, on Addicted to Success, I actually share that the information of or the lesson of you know you as you're coming up as an entrepreneur you know you obviously you move you move out of the employed bracket to go to self-employed uh, the next yes. step after that is business owner and then it's investor um, yeah you know if you want to essentially be wealthy 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 yep. Um, yep. and I, I do find that a lot of people do stay in that self-employed bracket because they kind of they haven't found the right people to work with or they haven't found the right partner um, and they just don't know everything. And, and it's okay to admit that you don't know everything. I think a lot of people think that they can just do it all alone. Um, and really, when you look at it, your business could go 10x, you know, 20x what you're doing if you actually had the right team. And I think the biggest thing is like, it, it's hard to find amazing people. You can get a lot of good people, but it's hard to find an amazing people. So what yeah. did you do, you know, coming up, uh, you know, building your business and, and even expanding out, even after Argo, like, what do you do to find great talent? It's, if I had the answer to that. <laughs> um, what do you look for in, uh, in, in potential, you know, employees? Um, I can't say that I'm an expert at it um, because I'm always looking for people like me who are entrepreneurial, and that's the mistake. I admit it that it's my biggest mistake um, is that I think I can just walk away and let these people think of things like I would, but they don't. They, you know, most people are not creative, and um, so 
I I have to find people who will, will cover for my deficiencies, which is in the the you know the the, the, the orthodox you know tracking of expenses, the, just bookkeeping, and uh, and um, you know keeping the the machine running, but very few of those people will be able to be let loose to uh, go create a new product line or, or help launch a new market. They're, they're the sorts of things that are very, very hard to find people to do because those who've got that skill are usually out doing their own thing. And uh, it, it's not a, it's, it's a hard thing to employ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, not a very good sure. answer, but that's the best I can sort of. No, that's a great answer. I like that you mentioned um, that you look for entrepreneurs because we do, as humans, we're always trying to find like-minded people. Mm -hmm. um, it's not always a, the best thing. So that's why no, it's it probably is. good to find someone else that's, uh, you know, is good at uh, judging character and then can go out and hire for you so you're not making all the decisions all oh, the time. Oh, <laughs> that, that would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome. Beautiful, beautiful. So coming up, uh, you know, as a, as a young entrepreneur, did you have any mentors or role models that you looked up to that uh, shared some advice with you back in the day? Um, when I was an accountant, I was always amazed that the people I was doing the books for uh, were out there gambling with their lives. You know, I, I, at that time I was in my early 20s and, you know, the, the paycheck came every Friday regardless what I did. But I noticed that these guys that I was doing the books for sometimes didn't get a paycheck or sometimes they didn't know when the next one would be. And so I, I got some brilliant advice from one of my audit clients who said never get in the restaurant business. And, and now I've, I'm older and wiser, I know why. So that was, <laughs> that was good advice. <laughs> why is that? Uh, Could you tell us why oh, is that? Well, because it's all people and you can't control the amount of liquor being sold and the number of steaks in the refrigerator, you know, it's, it's like a highly, 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 um, um, it's a business that's, that's rife with pilfering. And, and so I've seen that and I've heard other restaurant owners tell me that. So, but, but that was sort of a joke. Um, the, the advice, uh, that I got was to get out and look, get out of your environment to find something that's different. And you, you, you brought that up very early in the thing, you know, and Christopher Columbus is probably the first one that I know of because he brought back tobacco from, from the Orient, right? And, you know, Armand Hammer, who was, you know, he's dead and gone, but he went to Russia and discovered there were no pencils and became a billionaire selling pencils, you know. So the, 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 the easy way to find something new is to get out of your environment and it'll become obvious. Um, and the other thing is to, uh, you know, if you're like, you know, there's so much opportunity now uh, with the electronic world, with the you know, internet, apps, um, all sorts of programming things that I don't really understand, but I see the exponential opportunity for developing new methods of doing things. You know, the Facebook's the obvious one, but there are millions of little ideas that, that could all create great businesses and great jobs for people, even if they never make it into the billions, you know? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And what would be your three lines of advice for uh, any entrepreneurs? 
that are looking at uh, stepping up and either getting into the marketplace or they're, they're looking at uh, even finding investors? What would your three lines of advice be there? The first one would be you don't have to know exactly where you're going before you start. Yep. That'll take care of itself. You just have to have the idea and the ambition. Uh, the next one would be to do a rudimentary business plan. There are tons of business plan, you know, templates on the internet um, because, you know, but this is a double-edged sword because if I had done a business plan and realized I needed, you know, $750,000 before I even started the Ugg boot business, nobody would be aware of Uggs today, right, because I would have realized, oh, my God, that's too hard. But the advice I give today is to actually do the go through the business plan template, look at the obstacles that are available there or, or are ahead of you, and make a, a, a choice on whether you're willing to put up with the, uh, you know, what it's going to take to overcome the 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 you know, the things that you have to think about when you go through a formalized business plan. And the third thing is um, just live in the moment. Um, there's so many people, are, I see so many people in business that are totally frustrated because they're not where they want to be and the the most, this is probably the most deep philosophical advice I can give for you on this program. The quickest way for a tadpole to become a frog is to live every day happily as a tadpole. Okay? So wow. when you start yeah. when you start your business, just enjoy the hell out of it. Every day is a new day. Don't be frustrated because you're not a frog yet. There are lots of other frogs out there, but they started before you did. They may have little, you know, benefits that you didn't have, but just hang in every day and enjoy it, and pretty soon you'll be a frog. Awesome, awesome, Brian. Those three points were amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. Right. I really appreciate it. So what would you say is your definition of success? I mean, you've been in the game for quite a while now, and uh, you've seen probably a lot of things, and I guess your definition has probably changed quite a lot over the years, right? So what would you say like now is your definition of success? Um, can I give you a little story? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. From the time I was an accountant to Uggs Millionaire, then in other businesses back to, to zero and then building again and, and up and down, my lifestyle has never changed. When My wife and I, when we sold Ugg, made millions of dollars and we bought a new Honda minivan for her and put carpet in the house and that was it. We, we didn't need anything else. And I, I realized uh, over the years that, that my happiness is not determined by money. Um, my real success is having tons of friends, tons of people I like, all the guys, as, as I'm launching my new book right now, uh, I can't wait to get on the road and go visit all the all the surf shop retailers that I dealt with 30 years ago. They're, they're still my best friends, you know, and and there that's the value of that's to me what real success is. Just having a a great 
life and a bunch of friends that you can always uh, laugh with. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, build your network because at the end yeah. of the day, like that's that's all you really have is is your friends around you. I mean, there's a lot of people that are you know super wealthy, but they're lonely at the top. I've so, I've known several. Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. There you go. No, that's great advice. Thank you so much, Brian. And um, one one last question as well is, uh, you know, what books do you read out there? Like, what books what books have really impacted your your life? Um. Well, I I read everything, uh, Joel. I I you know I read a lot of philosophical books. Um, I read a lot of business books, but I, I usually only get into the business books one or two chapters, and I lose interest because it's the same old stuff re regurgitated. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I'm not into ten ways to make profitability or how to be a better leader and all that because because. There are thousands of people out there on the stage speaking about that and writing about that. Um, but um, I love Wilbur Smith books for the history of Africa, and, and he's a real good writer of adventures. Um, but, uh, you know, mostly it's uh, I'm very interested in, in uh, who we are, inside so i read a lot of spirituality type books and uh stuff like that because you know the, there's a there's a bigger purpose than being here to make money and build businesses it's we're on a we're all on a path of self-discovery and so i guess <laughs> that's probably the best way i can explain the types of stuff i read yeah beautiful beautiful it's funny i uh i never used to see myself as a spiritual kind of person and my fiance has actually really opened me up to our spirituality and it's funny i feel like ever since i've like delved in it and you know read some wayne dyer books and, that's good yeah i, um, I read a lot of him yeah. yeah yeah i kind of feel like i've grown a lot as a person i think it yeah. gives you a lot more insight and perspective of uh, what's going on around you to be you know more aware and more conscious so that's fantastic joel yeah that because that's where the real truth is the real life is is uh how you understand yourself and, and love every love everybody else, you know. Yeah, and imagine how amazing as an entrepreneur you can be if you get that part right, and then everything else as well. Oh, it, it, yeah, the rest of it will fall in place. Yeah, it's 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 there's another law, you know, that, that it, it's thousands and thousands of years old. But it, once you start out on a path with love, the universe just conspires to work with you and you, you can't stop it. Things just, I mean, I cannot tell you how many things just fall in place for me these days because I've sort of figured out the, uh, you know, how to treat everybody else with, with respect and love. And, uh, you know, things that you would think would be, people would say is coincidental. I just like accept it now because the right person always shows up at the right time. It's uncanny. Yeah, good karma, good karma. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome, Brian. Thank you so much for sharing your advice with us today. I know we have a long line of uh, amazing advice over the last, you know, 40 minutes or so or 35 minutes or so. So um, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And uh, also, how can we find your book or become part of your tribe? Okay. Uh, my tribe is my website, which is www.briansmithspeaker.com. It's pretty simple. And the book is on Amazon right now. The official launch is December the 2nd this year. And uh, 
but it's a, it'll be available now for pre-ordering and uh, it'll be up there for quite a while. So, so uh, and the book, by the way, is called The Birth of a Brand, Launching Your Entrepreneurial Passion and Soul. So, so I, I'm going all out. Even, even the cover is spiritual. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah. hear that, guys? Uh, pick up Brian Smith's book. There you go. The Birth of a Brand. Beautiful. There's a world of knowledge in there, I'm sure. Yeah. I, the stories I've just told have just scraped the surface. Yeah. Tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, Brian. All right, mate. Well, you have a great day out there in uh, sunny California. And yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll keep in touch, buddy. And uh, much success to you. Great. You too. I'm really proud of you for having such a great listenership, man. That's great.